Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look into our favorite properties. We'd like to take a special moment to recognize our new followers on our different platforms. You've taken us from three dedicated listeners to over 100 plus in less than 24 hours, and we could not be any more grateful. So thank you all so very much. This week, we're picking our starter and hoping that we remember not to transfer it as we break down the Pokemon Go mobile game. Now, before we augment our reality and dial our clocks back to 2016, we'd like to mention a few housekeeping items. We're Joe and Mark, two dudes who love talking movies, video games, and pop culture in general with you. We are a mostly humble operation that needs your help by liking, commenting, subscribing, and leaving us a review wherever you might have found us. Speaking of finding us, here are a few ways. You can find us on YouTube at the Digital Dissection Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and also catch us on Spotify by searching for at Digital Dissect One or Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. You'll notice that we keep saying this pretty much every week. What this does is help us grow and to keep making sure that you've got at least an hour of your workday covered. It's time to get serious. So let's turn our hats backwards and uh, throw our balls out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Now, Mark, I, for one, have been dreaming about knowing or wanting to be the very best like no one ever was since 1998. But I'm also aware not everyone's been on that same goal, and we all hopped in at different points, which brings us to 2016 when Pokemon, after, like, what, at that point... nearly two decades worth of gaming uh actually if we act if we think for like from japan launch that was like two decades worth of gaming um i think it was yeah it was actually meant to coincide with yeah. the 20th anniversary of, mm-hmm. of pokemon wasn't it i think it was yeah so after 20 years of of pocket monsters and badge getting and orange you want i'll uh you were Pokemon Rangering. Um, a new game was made, and that game had hella hype, and it was called and is called Pokemon Go. Yeah, and it has absolutely robbed many, many hours from us over the last <laughs> the last five years. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, although robbed, I mean, there are definitely times where we we really sank. Like purposefully sank hours into that game. Oh, absolutely! Oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like a couple of cowboys riding across the desert late at night. You and I would be in a car sometimes <laughs> until two thirty to three a.m. Mm-hmm. just to go after a Rhyhorn. Yeah, um, and this was at a time um, when Rhyhorns just weren't everywhere, and you had to really look for those things. And so you just went mm-hmm. deep in the night looking for some Rhyhorn. Yeah, they, they were like as rare as a bald eagle for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hope they taste better though but you know either way it, <laughs> gen one was was mm-hmm. definitely unique wasn't it it definitely was um and it was an interesting time because well i mean it's it's like it's like every generation of Niantic does is they don't release the full generation of pokemon at a time they release around half usually so gen one pops out and 
you're just catching Pokemon, which do you remember the original, like the launch commercial for this game? It's not coming to me. I just okay. remember the, wait, is that the one where the Squirtle was following around the, the kid? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, you basically were fighting back tears, even if you didn't play Pokemon ever. Oh yeah. That- absolutely adorable. And then they go through like this kid and his Squirtle and other things happening. And like, you kind of they show you aspects of like what you what you're expecting in the game like you're going out there catching pokemon um you're trading pokemon you're battling other trainers um like you you see like people holding their phones and you see like oh someone's challenging you and all this stuff and as like someone who played pokemon for the longest time like seriously I've been there since gen 1 and I never really took a break um i know I, I take it back i took a break in, in high school because i wanted to be cool but i wasn't cool um but i tried kind of hard but anyway um yeah like <laughs> seeing that there it's like time. wait this is what i've been waiting for my whole life yeah mm-hmm. which which that's why i think you know 2016 was like the first world peace we've actually felt in a long time and it was because <laughs> of a of several reasons so obviously one that you mentioned right Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have people who've wanted to experience this type of, you know, uh, augmented reality or just this type of interaction with Pokemon, because previous to this point, you could only play the main Pokemon games on largely handheld consoles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could play it on uh, there's a the, with the, the battle arena on like N64 oh, stadium, man. Stadium yeah, stadium. Legit. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon Snap was the other one, um, which you know <laughs> it's back. They they made another one, so <laughs> it, it just it just felt like House of the Dead, but instead of zombies and like you know mutated creatures mm-hmm. chilling out, it's just Pokemon, you know. But whatever, which, it was on. I mean, I am fine going off on a full tangent on Pokemon Snap sometime, and, and just the ridiculousness that was trying to get a picture of Mew in that game. I but think for I'd now, be, yeah. <laughs> We'll, I'd be okay we'll with like a big deer, a big deer hunter kind of game, but with Pokemon. Oh I mean, because I mean, and this doesn't get too far off the topic here, but <laughs> you know, it, the people are eating Pokemon. They've got to be. I mean, uh, yeah, you, maybe. <laughs> I think. Well, uh, well, I want to somewhere they acknowledge that there are still actual animals like alive and well in like the Pokemon world. We just don't see them because they're not as they're not as fun. Yeah, they can't just be eating like Brock's cooking, dude. Like. I mean, Magikarp have got to be like regular fish. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. Oh yeah, you can and, eat those for days. Yeah, yeah. How, how on? Like, how else could these things survive? They've got to be eviscerating each other out well, there. Like, I mean, they're definitely eating each other. That that's yeah. a given. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the humans have got to be eating him. I Probably. Mean, but... I mean, maybe more than likely. <laughs> um, I I mean, I remember like reading old Pokédex entries, and it does talk about how like some Pokemon do eat each other. So that's that's a thing. See, that's mm. what we want. That's what the fans have been clamoring yeah. for, or at least that's what I'm going to claim mm. that they've been clamoring for for over 20 years. Just show us Pokemon eating each other, guys. Yeah. Seriously. It's all Pokemon company. Mm-hmm. Well, I do, I do yeah. recall like some old promotional art, though, like showing like a guy and literally like a border collie like running through the Pokemon world. Um, there's like some sort of like festival setting. So I think it's supposed to be acknowledging that there are still actual animals out there. We just rarely see them in and any of the material because it's not the point of it but i digress yeah Hmm. well Mm -hmm. to get back to what we were talking about with world peace right like so for those of you who have played pokemon go or for the ones who haven't let's just kind of close our eyes for a moment and think about this so there's a park that's you know maybe about a half mile from my house called mckee farms park and for those of you who are probably stalking me in google maps 
you're still not going to find out where I live. Mm-hmm. But with this park, I mean, it's it's a pretty large park. You you went there actually. Um, I did. I had when, a mission uh, at McKee Farms Park that was, <laughs> it was terribly terribly sad, and I failed miserably. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, ultimately, you know, Pokemon Go. Um, there's a couple of things we'll we'll get into here, but for this story, um, there are certain areas where specific Pokemon will just hang out. So the developers of the game were able to essentially create nests, quote unquote. And so one of the early nests at McKee Farms Park was the Charmander, which is one of the most popular starters in the game. Everybody loves Charmander for some reason. I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm not ever going to say I'd go grass or water, but Either way, you know, he, he's, he's pretty solid. And when we talk about this idea of world peace, I remember the first time I went to McKee Farms when this dude showed up. And I, we're talking, there's over like a thousand people that are here playing mm-hmm. the game, laughing with each other. I mean, it's like, it's like 100 degrees outside in the middle of the summer and everyone's running around. They're having a great time. You know, um, you know people are socializing. They're doing all the things that COVID would literally never allow us yeah. to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say it was the closest thing to world peace because you could just walk up to anybody. You knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, unless they had like a, you know, like some kind of recreational drugs in their hand, but they might even be playing too. <laughs> but I mean, think about that. If you remember it, I mean, that's, that's how I met a bunch of people. I just walked up to them and I say, hey, you play Pokemon Go? I'm like, yep, cool. Do you have a criminal history? I'm like, no, I do not. And they're like, no. great. Let's hang Perfect. out. Let's keep hanging out. Yeah. And I mean, that was the thing. Like it would made it completely sociable. It was backwards or normally you would associate someone's on their phone and looking at it. They want to be left alone. But in 2016 it was the first time where someone's like staring at their phone as they're walking. And it was totally cool to walk over and talk to them about like, Hey, you, you see that squirtle over there? And like, what a squirtle. Yeah, no, I didn't see it. Let's go get it. And it was just so much fun. And then every once in a while you, you'd run into the one kid still geocaching. Um, good for them using their math skills and mapping skills but for the most part like everyone was playing pokemon go we were all having a good time and we were all happy to talk to each other and help each other out yeah yeah i mean it it was totally a crowdsourced affair because Mm -hmm. you know there were other places that i would visit throughout the city where it was exactly that and people would have you know quote-unquote lore parties where you basically place this little module on the you know, the discs that you can spin in the game to, mm-hmm. to get items and people would just load these things up. And so you would have, you know, anywhere sometimes 50 to a hundred people, things are spawning off of these stops and people are yelling it back and forth. I mean, it was, it was almost, it felt like the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. man. Yeah. No, those, those early days were a lot of fun though. Um, uh, like I just remember like, again, like, like I, I live in a more rural area, rural area, so it wasn't quite the same as your experience. It was still really, it was still like vastly positive. Um, uh, I actually met um, a girlfriend at one point in time by playing Pokemon Go, which was crazy enough as it was. Um, yeah, we don't talk about that though. We don't talk about that. That was a, those are different times. But anyway, um, yeah, like it was just really, really great. The the game mechanics were fairly simple but also addictive at the same time. So you just had what uh, originally it came out, like you could basically just catch stuff and that was it. That was the extent of the game initially. Um, You were given, I think maybe 75 of the original 151 Pokemon. And yes, I will say original 151 because Mew is hidden in that game. It's there. You just can't get to it. But anyway, um, yeah, the original 151, you're getting 75 to just, 
try and get with some things being more rare than others. Like I remember like, do you remember how like nerve wracking it was to try and find Dratini when this game first came out? Like he was nowhere. Oh, there was a joke online too, because mm -hmm. you know, Dratini was one of those Pokemon that wasn't supposed to nest. And through a glitch in the game in the very beginning, um, there, there was a Dratini nest and I think it was at a university or something. Mm -hmm. And I can go look back and find this, but <laughs> when they switched the nest for the first time, you know, mm -hmm. the great shift, the nest migration of 2016. Before we knew such a thing was possible. Oh, before we knew, if only we could look back and tell our <laughs> past selves about it. But there was a sign on the door that said, you know, that this here lies the, the, the final resting place of a Dratini <laughs> nest. And it showed a little, that, <laughs> that little mm -hmm. Dratini with the, the sad eyes in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I yeah I mean they were they were very rare and I remember actually going back you and I were doing one of our our late night rounds here you know barking at the moon mm -hmm. and uh, I remember we found one just right next to one of the home improvement stores and we both couldn't believe it because back then there was no yeah you know there was no way to track stuff really mm -hmm. reliably you know um, and so we were just driving along and all of a sudden I see that. You know, that, that, uh, that blue and white hue coming from out of the, the side mm -hmm. of the, you know, side of my eye. And I go, what is this? Because, yeah. <laughs> because I, I was ignorant to Pokemon at that point. I mean, <laughs> I had literally never played a Pokemon game. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't consumed any of the media at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it, I was, I was green. I was very, very green. Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely came in in 2016. Like you yeah. were, yeah. Like you were brand new to that game. Not even going to pretend. Mm -mm. <laughs> but, you know, I will say the uh, the very first Dragonite that I ever saw, because back then, you know, they were still in the wild, was, I remember the exact day, it was September 19th, 2016. <laughs> and I was, I was on my way to work, and I used to do a little route, because for those of you who don't know how I play video games, I pretty much establish patterns that make me successful. I get very methodical with it. And when it comes to games where I have to grind for things, I mean, I absolutely get this down to a T. And so I would map out this course every morning on the way to work. And what would I find one morning but this big, orange, smiley-looking bastard? <laughs> I, and, and I had never seen one before. And, and once again, I'm very green at this stage. So I had absolutely no idea what I was looking at. And if you remember, back then, Dragonite was practically like a mile and a half back on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he used to be like a football field away and, and you had to try and get that hail Mary pass to like try and catch him. It was nuts. You needed a running start to mm -hmm. catch this mother, you know, back then. <laughs> so I was there I, back then. I think I only had like five ultra balls. I had, um, and, and, and to explain this out for some folks who may not have played it before, there's, there's three different types of pokeballs. You use them, you chuck them at them. You hope they stay in. And I think I only had five ultra balls back then and maybe like a handful of you know, just regular ones. Right. Mm -hmm. And I caught it on like the fifth ultra ball. And I was thinking like, man, if I don't get this thing now, I will never get it. And yeah, history was made. Yeah. And I still have that, that dragon I still have them in my, uh, my inventory now. Is that the mailman? No, the mailman would come later. Okay. That was, that was because I hadn't watched the, the original film yet which you would mm -hmm. you know bring over on one of these one of these uh, these journeys we would take um but the mailman was the the second dragonite that i would catch mm -hmm. and i would run into him uh two months later so i think it was Ooh. in november just before my birthday when that when that dude was found nice so speaking of a fun little little nugget of information for those of you listening if you recall when the first movie came out and you went to it 
and they gave you a, a, a card from the trading card game based off of the movie. Uh, I went to that movie four times to get all of the cards. That's how dedicated I was to this once upon a time. Um, yeah, I had a problem and it was <laughs> to catch them all in every capacity. Well, the problem you have is one that a lot of us have playing this game and that's just mm. that collector mentality, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I have a, a fairly addictive personality when it comes to collecting items and that, and you, you know about this based on the, oh. the wall of collectibles, the nerdery <laughs> as we both have in our homes. Mm -hmm. So we both are very clearly addictive personalities to an extent. A little bit. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, one thing I, I wanted to get into here because there's a lot of interesting things that we can do uh, from a knowledge journey here talking about the, the history of AR or augmented reality. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time on that before we get into some of the things about Pokemon Go, because you and I have, I mean, we have like a Martin Luther list of indulgences here that we would, oh yes, mm -hmm. we, we would nail to John Hankey's door, the, you know, the CEO <laughs> of Niantic. Mm -hmm. um, but, but augmented reality has um, a fairly interesting history and, and it goes back a little ways. Um, so, do you remember or, or do you know about this firsthand when the first AR based technologies really began to, you know, the inception of them? Uh, I believe it was 2009 with the birth of um, Rhinoplasty Go, and it was meant to try and teach uh, plastic surgeons how to actually perform nose jobs while they were on their way to work. You're just a little ways off. Okay. Um, okay. And I'm going to blow the doors open on this like a, an 18 pound baby. Mm -hmm. But in 1968, Ivan Sutherland actually developed the first like head mounted display. So just think of, you know, like a, like a TV screen, right. Or some mm -hmm. kind of screen that was just attached to your head, you know, pretty, pretty limited usage there. Um, but Ivan Sutherland was actually like a computer programmer slash scientist who would really keep with um, some of these touch screen based technologies. And he's actually credited with making the first uh, GUI or mm. uh, guided user interface, right? Yep. So he would end up winning um, a touring award for this, the, it would be being called the Sketchpad. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Turing Award, though, named after, you guessed it. Alan Turing, our friend from our robotics episode. Mm -hmm. Yes, He's... the man who let us know if machines we're falling desperately in love with are actually self-aware to what they're doing. And now we're wearing them on our heads, Joe. <laughs> 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 but, but tell you what, man, um, just like swallowing a quarter on accident, the journey continues. So 1974, Myron Kruger, who is a computer researcher, created what was called video place. Um, and what this technology used was basically silhouettes. So, you know, a person would stand in front of a screen and it would just use contrast to pinpoint where you are in space. Right. Mm -hmm. And at this point you would then be allowed to touch numbers on the screen. You know, you could see a number, you could see an option, you could click it and it would interact with you. Um, and from that point, there's a couple other pit stops here. Um, but these ones are kind of quick uh, to get through. So I'll just kind of list them off for you. The actual term augmented reality uh, would be coined by Tom Caudell, who worked for the Boeing Corporation back in 1990. Um, in 1992, 
a United States Air Force researcher, Louis, Ro- or Louis Rosenberg, would create what's called virtual fixtures. And this was like the first actual AR system where you could impact uh, your, your reality or what they called mixed reality by operating machinery from, you know, from a location other than the physical one. So the AR technology actually goes back, you know, fairly far, at least mm-hmm. the, the origins of it go. But what do you think was the most common usage of AR technology right around the mid to late 90s? Oh, no. Um, I mean, my head goes to a terrible spot because typically whenever there's like a new like entertainment like thing, um, it's usually used for something naughty. (laughs) So this just makes me think like this is. You know, I'm going to go rogue and just say it's a, um, a restaurant simulator as opposed to going with where my head was originally going. I wrote that question assuming you would think it was sexy. And fortunately, in this case, it actually isn't. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yes, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1998, AR technology would actually be utilized in the NFL to create the first in 10 system, which... Oh as you you clearly have seen in in modern day right Mm -hmm. they only got better with that technology but yeah they moved the chains a few times with that yeah yeah but just think about the league in the nfl Mm -hmm. they didn't have any kind of augmented systems like that at least for the unified nfl for you know that their first 30 years and you know clearly the leatherheads of old would have had nothing like that Mm -hmm. um but that's really where it it kind of started to pick up right Mm -hmm. and and so it wouldn't actually be until like the, I would say like the mid to late 2000s where we start to see things like Google Glass, you know, Microsoft HoloLens, um, where you're actually wearing products that are interacting with your environment and, and doing all those types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that Back to the Future 2 thought we would have had six years ago. Yeah, yeah. We were promised a lot for that 2015 that just never happened. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, mostly upset yeah. over the fashion choices and the uh, dehydrated Pizza Hut pizzas. That's the biggest uh, failure out of Back to the Future. Not the flying cars, not any of the other cool advancements, just those two. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, as a kid, I, I, I thought dehydrating a pizza sounded really stupid, but the functions, <laughs> you know, the functions of that. Uh, just the convenience alone. Oh, yeah. And the fact that no one can rehydrate a pizza quite like Marty's mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, one can, so... <laughs> no one can press the buttons like you, mom. No one knows that combination. <laughs> just yeah, Kind of like what we mentioned in the, with the white hoods in the last episode. Sometimes you just don't realize how bad things are going to sound until you say them. And yeah. that was one of those mm-hmm. lines. Yep. Just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can press a button. But... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, as we, as we yeah. rattle off the, uh, mm-hmm. the timeline here, though, so we, we, we were kind of caught up to the mid to late 2000s. And mm-hmm. so 2014 would be a big year for Pokemon Go. And you may be asking yourself, why would 2014 be a big year considering mm-hmm. Pokemon Go wouldn't exist until 2016? Um, Ash Ketchum has his 17th, 10th birthday. Well, it's actually a really good answer. But this would actually mark a chance encounter between Satoru Iwata of Nintendo and Sunakazu Ishihara of the Pokemon Company. So the folks that, you know, not Nintendo, the folks mm-hmm. that actually run po- you know, the Pokemon development. So as an April Fool's 
collaboration, they put together this idea for utilizing Google Maps as a means to, you know, find Pokemon in the real world. So this April Fool's joke goes up. People are literally losing their minds, you, you know, open a window and the breeze rolls in, right? Yeah. Um, people are literally jizzing in their pants over this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So ultimately you would, you know, have a, a fellow named John Hankey who would found Niantic and we would get the, the game Ingress, which was the precursor to Pokemon Go, which, you know, a lot of the data is built off of that utilizing mm-hmm. Google Maps. Um, so, yeah, it was like this chance encounter really is what set this game up and what allowed us to to have this, you know, multi-billion dollar property that we have today. So either way, we mentioned John Hankey though, mm-hmm. right? So John Hankey is not a stranger to the gaming world. And he actually worked on a game uh, that was also a precursor to another big one mm-hmm. um, called Meridian 59. And, and who Meridian- can forget a catchy game like Meridian 59? I was going to say, it's got to, <laughs> yeah, the kids are wearing shirts with it. You know, I, I see it on bumper stickers. It's, <laughs> it's just so catchy. Yep. It's um, just, it only, they just, you know, they, I can remember also like the gang wars between the Meridian 59 kids and then the equator 54 boys oh. and how they just did not get along at all. Well, but the, the Equator 54 boys would leave you alone if you would flash a five on one hand and a four on the other. So, <laughs> so long as they knew how to recognize you, you're in the, you're in the clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but Meridian 59 uh, was actually one of the first open world like MMORPGs. I mean, it's like the, one of the earliest social uh, based RPGs that was out there, which would eventually be like an influencer for, you know, World of Warcraft. Um, so Hanky actually had his hands in things pretty early in the gaming community from a social sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually still play Meridian 59 today, like believe oh, it or not. Oh, that server's still going strong? <laughs> yeah, so for, for, for now, the you know, 100 plus folks that are listening to this, um, you can definitely still find Meridian 59. I mean, I don't know if I would play it at this point, but hey, give it a well, shot. I'm going to hop on there. Better late than never, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there's so there's a couple other connections here I wanted to point out. So mm-hmm. after this point, Hanky would found Keyhole, um, which was another you know software based company, and it was funded by InQtel, which ended up actually being the CIA's venture capital arm of their operations. Um, so oh. I didn't I didn't actually know that. Um, no, that sounds. I was gonna say when you were when you were listing off the names here, I think you know what this is probably some sort of weird clandestine government organization. <laughs> That's trying to take over the entire world. And then lo and behold, that, that's exactly kind of what it is. Minus the whole take over the world bit, potentially. We don't know. We don't work there. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it feels like all, all signs point to robots taking over the world, no matter what we do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, in, in this case, though, it's, it's just the CIA so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and what would actually be interesting later on is that once uh, once Hanky would actually end up, you know, leaving Keyhole, uh, formulate other businesses. In Qtel's CEO, his name was Gilman Louie, and he would actually go on to become the board of directors for Niantic. So maybe we should keep some of our criticisms a little bit more, you know, light in nature, just in case, because I, I just can't be black bagged this week. I got stuff I've got to do yet. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so we may want to go yep. a little easy on criticism okay. here, but 
Maybe. Um, but yeah, so that, there's some interesting connections there, right? Like we've got this, the we've obviously got this chance encounter with Nintendo and the Pokemon company, but now we've literally mm-hmm. got the CIA involved in helping Niantic establish its roots. I mean, that that to me is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would not have thought that um, the Central Intelligence Agency had a had any sort of hand in my Pokemon addiction. Um, but now it kind of makes sense. I just I just noticed like whenever I think okay, so I don't know about you, but like when I'm playing the game, I do notice like with my phone, with my 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 fantastic Samsung Note 8 that's still hanging in there, um, I get like this bottom blue bar that lights up while I'm playing. And I assume that that's not a loading bar. Uh, that's just my phone listening to me. Yeah, that's your CIA indicator. It is. That's... It's just, hey, you're being listened to right now. What do you want? Like, oh, I will. I've been wanting a new mattress for a while. And then when I close Pokemon Go and I open up something else, I get mattress notifications um, and mattress advertisements. Um, so, you know what? This all makes sense. This is it. That's just the CIA letting me know that, hey, we're here for you. The... Kind of. There's a part of me that would just crack up if if your phone would just ding, you get an alert, and it goes, Gilman Louie is now observing you. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, I better be my best behavior. Gilman Louie is, <laughs> is he's watching me do my things. <laughs> well, how many times have you and I been talking on the phone and and we'll say like, hey, man, you, you, like, I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. The the CIA on the other line, you know, they're they're hanging up their headsets. Um, so that that joke actually has some you know, real world applications. Yeah. Now. Oddly more merit than we ever gave it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm happy we were able to bring it to you as well. So now you can question any odd light that pops up on your cell phone <laughs> while you're playing Pokemon go yeah. or anything else really, I guess. Yeah. But especially and, Pokemon go. And, and to tie it back to Pokemon go, um, one last thing, and some folks will probably know this one, but I always like to mention it because it's just hilarious to me. So the Niantic was actually a whaling vessel in the 1800s. And this is what really helped formulate the Niantic company as we know it, is that John Hankey has an interest in history. So him and I are both kind of students of history, the more I read into him. And the Niantic actually uh, ran aground in 1849. Um, long story short, basically once it entered the harbor, um, the charter basically ended for it. People weren't, you know, whaling anymore with it. And little by little, the crew just basically, you know, pieced out. They just said, yeah, Hey, we're, we're going to take off. The gold rush is happening. You know, <laughs> I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I got, I got kids to feed. So, so yeah, the Niantic literally just ran aground and it's just chilling out there for a while. And what it would end up becoming is like basically a, a really weird looking storage facility. Um, then, then later a hotel. And now it's a museum. So, Ooh. yeah. So Hanky's original idea for Niantic-based technologies was to pretty much help you on a field trip. If you're if you're visiting and you're near a, a museum or some historical marker, you know his technology would help you find it. It would it would give you a notification, and just like your geocaching comment mm-hmm. from before, this would help you find out where that is yeah and so, i think uh there are apps that do that and i didn't know i don't know if they're produced by nantic at all but i remember like i have i used to have apps that would like hey if you walk past something like that was remotely historic you get a notification saying hey by the way did you know that building you just passed by uh was once used uh by abraham lincoln to go to the bathroom one day you're like oh no i never knew that 
but thank you. I do know now. Um, but no, no, that's that's crazy. I had no idea that like um, Niantic had any sort of involvement in that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty interesting journey from you know basically just starting off with mm-hmm. MMOs and ending up with uh, geocached or you know Google Maps based technologies, AR and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, it, for all of the faults of of John Hankey here, you know there there is some credit we can give him just based on how long he stuck with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and there's always been that Google connection, you know, as well, because he mm-hmm. worked for Google in the past and there was a partnership between Niantic and Google for a while until they would separate just before uh, some of the early foundations of these AR games we've talked about. So um, oddly enough, though, it would end up being Google that allows them to, you know, have enough data available for a lot of these things <laughs> to occur. So mm-hmm. either way, yeah. So interesting relationship there, but I thought that uh, it might be a cool idea to kind of go down memory lane because everybody knows about Pokemon Go. You know, we know about, you know, a lot of people know about it, but may not always know about some of that history behind the scenes there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fun. Because, like, I just assumed um, that, like, Pokemon Go started with Ingress and that was like kind of like the, the open and shut of it. Uh, that Ingress came in and it was a game that had has a pretty niche following. Um I remember like the early days of Pokemon Go running into people who were playing, who were still playing Ingress. Um, and they tried telling me that my game had a, had a much quicker burnout time and it was checkers compared to chess. And I just said, okay, and went about my day. Um, and I think that made them mad enough when I wouldn't really react to their um, less than subtle, but pretty, pretty snide um, remark about them playing their game versus me playing mine but yeah no i just thought that was kind of it like uh ingress was uh was was the start of it and you had your weird weather map looking game uh and then they took that data and they used that for pokemon go and that's that's where we are today um is thanks to ingress for that and (laughs) thank you i guess to the ingress players who helped with that um early early stage but we're much beyond that now yeah i remember that one yeah. chance encounter i had with uh, an ingress player very early on in pogo and and this isn't to throw the ingress players under the bus here because they're not all like this but i remember um i was hunting bulbasaur one time and like i mentioned in the early days of pogo you just approach people with their phones out because you could assume right and this ingress player when i asked him hey are you guys hunting bulbasaur too and he said no <laughs> We're playing Ingress, the adult version of Pokemon Go. Oh. And I pulled my best Neil deGrasse Tyson and was like, oh, we got a badass over here. I gotta, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I'm going to go that way now. And you guys enjoy your adult time over here. And uh, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, yeah, so again not, 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 not all the Ingress players, just just three. Just three. Just just, just, just three. Just, the one I, the one dude I ran into and then the two dudes that, that Mark ran into. And that's it. That's all. Um, but yeah, so that, that Neantic um, had Ingress and there's all this other foundation to Ingress. Um, and now we have Pokemon Go in its current form, which like, let's look at like, kind of like how Pokemon Go has really changed in, I guess, what? Yeah, five years. Five years now. Like it's gone. Yeah. Like it's gone through quite a bit of a like a like a facelift and overhaul um from when it first came out because literally when it first came out all we could do was catch pokemon and that was it we could catch them 
we could evolve them. Uh, for traditional players, it was really weird that we they had to basically feed them candy to evolve them. Mm-hmm. Whatever, okay, no big deal. We'll get used to it. That just it's just a game mechanic, um, and it'll be fun. And then after a while, it's like okay, well, if catching is the only thing we can do, because all the things we were promised in the in the, in the launch trailer that we talked about earlier, like we you can't you can't challenge trainers to battles yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no gyms quite yet in the game. Um, yeah. and well, you well, gym, can't trade yeah. with each other. So I'm like, okay, well, all I can do is catch. Well, the gyms that were in the game weren't the ones that we know now. Mm-hmm. So the original gyms in the game, you could, you could basically place a Pokemon on it if mm-hmm. it was, you know, if you fought it down or whatever, but you would actually have to essentially quote unquote, train your Pokemon to raise the prestige of the gyms so that mm-hmm. other people could join it with you. Um, so it was much different than, than what we have now, which is a pretty simplistic one, right? Yeah, and um, and gyms yeah. even then we're we're still tied into the game's monetary system because that worked differently too. Where you could, <laughs> uh, the goal was to basically place Pokemon on gyms, and then you would essentially cash out. Uh, it'd be a gamble. So like you could place. I think it was like every time you placed a Pokemon somewhere, they gave you like ten coins or something. Uh, if you cashed out. So if I saw like, oh hey, I've got a Pokemon in a gym, I hit cash out right away and I get ten coins, and then I can't cash out again for twenty four hours. Or I could gamble and keep going to gym to gym to gym, placing my Pokemon around everywhere and could earn seemingly an infinite number of coins so long as I just kept placing over gyms and I'd cash out. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I, I think back then it might have been one coin every, or 10 coins, I think every, mm-hmm. what was it, half hour or 10 minutes? I can't remember exactly. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and back then, like you mentioned, it was kind of a, a question of when do I collect, right? Like, do yep. I know, do I, do I know when I'm going to be able to do it? Cause mm-hmm. you know, I didn't take a ton of gyms back then. And no. yeah, I mean, if I was ever on 10, I was lucky anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. So after a while that became a, a feature, they would end up, you know, changing, but the, the original game um, had that, that, that uh, step, but like the three step mm-hmm. tracking process, right? So you would see a Pokemon, there'd be the three little footprints underneath it. And the closer that you would get to it, right? So if it was one footprint, you know, the closer you got, you would get two and then three. Yeah. And back then, if you remember, there was the leaves that would pop up on the, you know, on the sides of the sidewalks. Oh, you would know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would know where spawn points were. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so back then it was a little bit, there was a little bit more of that let's go mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because you, you know, the, the raids weren't a thing yet. You couldn't even raid Pokemon. Um, and so finding, what seemed like the rarest ones would always involve having to park your car at 3am next to an assisted living facility <laughs> and run into a, you know, a bog essentially to get a Snorlax, which may or may not have been done between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I may or may not have kept that Snorlax, um, which I believe I named Mr. Lickbeam. And <laughs> yeah, it's still very much a part of my inventory as well. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause back then it, it was a bit more of an event, right? Like yeah. the, the original 151 or slash 150, you know, there, there were some of these Pokemon that mm-hmm. like, unless you were cheating, which is what was called spoofing or whatever you want to call yep. it, you know, back then it was like, I, I hadn't even seen a Lapras, you know, I didn't see a Lapras for almost the first, I think 13 months of the game. Yeah. It took quite a while to get a lot of these more rare Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the actual, mm-hmm. the actual hunting mentality, was kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like, mm-hmm. Like my addictive personality was right there 
you know, I was grinding and playing all the time, but it, it was so hard to find some of these other Pokemon that um, I ended up taking, I think, geez, I think it was like two or three different breaks just within yeah. the first year and a half of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you stepped out too for a while. I bowed out when I think like the first set of like big restrictions they put on or, or maybe, maybe not restrictions, but I know there were a few restrictions they put on it um, early on. And then basically just like the company's response to players trying to play the game was horrible. Like I, like I understand like trying to like keep it so cheating can't happen. But even like trying to like have uh, like crowdsourcing, like being like, hey, I found this, go there and you can get it too. Or I set up the scanner so you can see where things are. Mm-hmm. Because if you're done, if you're not doing that, it's completely blind luck running into anything. Um, and it's hard to find anything. And the company really to this day still offers no real aid to its players to try and be successful at their own game, other than things that you can pay for and monetization we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, basically, it just kind of felt like it was the company versus the players. And I'm like, well, this is crap. I'm going to take a break from this. And so I, I think I, I stepped down for like a good like four months. I just stopped playing the game um, after a few changes. And I'm trying to remember exactly when this happened because it wasn't, it wasn't when the initial gym change happened. Because I remember they had to change the gym system because when they introduced Blissey, if you stacked like six places in a gym like no one could take that gym down it just wasn't going down ever um so they changed the gym shortly after that and it was sometime after that is when i stopped playing i'm pretty sure but it wasn't because of the gym stuff it was as other things happened in the game that they started putting limits to them like nope i'm out i'm done forget it walking away um and then i eventually you know when all my friends were still playing i i just came right back yeah, I think I, I'm trying to remember exactly when that happened. I think it was mm-hmm. actually in in like 2017. I, I might be wrong on this, but I, I thought it was actually fairly early on. I, I, and but either way, like it's you're, mm-hmm. you're 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 totally right there. Like the these Blissey towers, as they called it. <laughs> I mean, you would see this thing, and you'd flip through the trainers in it, and you go, "I don't have four hours to spend." So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, so, so to Niantic's credit, I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like the, the new gym system because mm-hmm. it was quote unquote, maybe too easy or too casual, you know, in a sense for people to, uh, to, to join in and, yeah. and be a part of, um, I, I mean, I like the idea of having to kind of earn your spot in a gym, mm-hmm. you know, because yep. the, 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 the Pokemon go mentality of training a Pokemon and growing with it and all that stuff, you know, that spirit makes sense to me. Um, but, but to your point of, of the, of Pokemon go at times seeing like it's, it's, it's almost company versus player. Part of that to me, I felt was because the game was, I think it's technically still in beta at this point. Yeah. I mean, it it might as well be that they're constantly adding things to the game where there's no, there's no sequel to it. It's just, it's the same game and they'll have some features that are just basically meant to test out a bigger feature that's rolling out later in the game. So yeah, it's pretty much always under construction. Yeah. I mean, a lot of like a lot of mobile games don't have an end game. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just kind of the, the point. The whole point is to, you know, pull you in with some uh, repeatable free things that you can do. 
And then as you progress, you know, you need to purchase additional things, either have more fun or make the game easier or progress. And from the Pokemon Go standpoint, I mean, very early on, it became, well, you've got the first 150, 151, quote unquote. And then the only real new content that they had for a very long time was just the next generation of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And so that's still kind of a problem that they have nowadays, even though there's other functions in the game. Mm-hmm. But there's going to reach a point where um, they're going to run out of Pokemon to put into this game. Yeah. And then when they run out of Pokemon, they have to kind of like fall back on like certain features of the games. Um, and I mean, it, God, it took them what? How many at least what two years before we got like we were able to trade Pokemon with each other? Oh my God. which is like that was a feature that was immediate in like the handheld stuff the same with battling other trainers so it took them two to three years to get trading in and and pvp going in that game so like all right um yeah well like while they just keep introducing other generations of pokemon they kind of just limit other in-game experiences that made the the handheld stuff great like trading battling um there's no gym badge system in this game. I don't know. Give them a few more years. Maybe they'll introduce something like that into it, but they're well, going to have to do yeah. something. Well, we do have gym badges, but not in the sense that the, the yeah. games would have mm-hmm. given us, right? Like you, yeah. you go to a gym for a respective territory, you fight and you mm-hmm. beat the trainer. They give you your badge, right? Yeah. And instead here, you just walk up to a gym and you spin it and you get a medal. The medal is, you know, you just have your standard, you move up to bronze, silver, and then gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that just takes a long time. It does. It takes a long time. And sometimes um, you talk with your friends and strategize ways to try and get them to gold as quickly as possible, which is achievable if you find a gym that doesn't have a lot of turnover to it and your Pokemon stays there for over a hundred days. <laughs> Um, it only takes by like, like, it only takes like what, 21 days or something to earn gold on a gym. Yeah. The exact math is like 21 or 22 days. Yeah. Something like that. But like, we've like Mark and I have been in gyms for into that triple digit range where they just sat there and we questioned if they were ever coming back. (laughs) And and the worst part is that's, that's not even all that long compared to other folks I've seen. <laughs> I mean, I, I swear to God, there are like some mm-hmm. people I know when the gym system first came out that or the new one, mm-hmm. like they placed a Pokemon in that first day and that Pokemon's still there, you know? Yeah. Like just build a statue mm-hmm. for it already, but. Yep. Yeah. So when we, when we start thinking of like any sort of like complaints in the game, like what can they do next to really like step up and make the game interesting? Let's take a look at some of the features that had, that did make it interesting when we, when they, when, Basically, they hit a level of complacency in the game. Um, like one that I remember, like both of us being excited for, was actually like the buddy system in that game. Like actually being able to have in-game friends was something that was pretty big when it came out that we both enjoyed. Yeah, I mean the buddy system was mm-hmm. was fantastic because uh, so there was kind of this this growing. I, I don't want to know if you want to call it like jealousy or something, but when you've got these big you know, like metropolitan areas that people live in the game is based on like cell phone data, right? Mm-hmm. And they would, they would kind of play with this over time. But in the beginning, it was just based on some older cell phone data that they had. So spawns were based off of that. And if you didn't live in a highly populated area, so, you know, r- rural players like yourself and other folks, they may not see some of these Pokemon 
for who nothing years at a time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so when the buddy system came out, you at least had a little bit of relief from that because mm-hmm. if you, you know, if at least you got your hands on one, then you could walk that buddy. It might still take you, you know, two or three years, but you could, yeah, you know, max that thing out and, and make it, it usable mm-hmm. at some point. Yep. Um, other features like raids we talked about, raids were really fun. Um, and they still continue to be a fun part of the game. Also a stressful part of the game. Uh, at times, depending on what's what's being rated and what's not and what's not there, um, other features like I don't know, like PvP. That one was kind of a letdown for me. I didn't really like how they did PvP in this game. Um, well, there there is some strategy involved mm-hmm. with it, right? Oh yeah. And so you know, there's despite all the strategy that's involved, um, sometimes a lot of the fights just end up coming down to whoever taps their phone the quickest, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's really the same issue that is kind of coming up with the raid system too. So we've talked about complacency before as an issue with Pokemon Go. And, and that's really what a majority of your time is spent doing if you're fighting gyms, if you're raiding, if mm-hmm. you're doing PvP, you're just furiously tapping your phone. Yeah. And, and most of the phones I've had in recent memory are all made out of glass. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, yep. mm-hmm. I get very clumsy with a phone in my hand for some reason. You, you, <laughs> you saw it. I got a brand new glass-faced phone and you and I just went for a quick walk. And within 10 feet, I freaking dropped this thing. <laughs> that, yep. That's when like the new curved edges were a thing with Samsung's yes. and there was no real good screen protector for them. So if it didn't fall flat on its face with a screen protector, it was pretty much screwed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was like not wearing jeans, but wearing chaps on a horse. Like that's, <laughs> that's what that felt like. <laughs> I mean, I had no protection at all. I was out there in the wind and mm-hmm. uh, so furiously tapping a phone that's broken. Yeah, um, not comfortable. Those little bits of glass, they they really do start to, to hurt after a while. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, scars may form, but, you know, sometimes things don't ever truly heal, and that would definitely be one of them. <laughs> um, but the, the mm-hmm. complacency has been a major issue because, yeah. like we talked about how there's there's no real end game here. The only mm-hmm. thing that you can really pour your time and your effort and your resources in uh would just be to power your Pokemon up to the, the maximum level, which, mm-hmm. you know, after uh, four and a half years, we finally got the, you know, f- level 40 to level 50 increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you can kind of put your time into that nowadays. Um, but I mean, out, outside of that, I mean, um, you know, one of the advice of one of my, one of my friends that I won't, you know, I won't name him specifically here, mm-hmm. but he's kind of, he kind of walks on water here in the city of Madison when it comes to Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And what he always says about the game uh, is that Pokemon Go is a game that you can pick whichever destination you want to have in it. So whether that's leveling up your Pokemon to a certain extent, collecting these gold gym badges, um, you know, maybe setting a daily goal or something, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the, the, the frame of mind that he has with it. Um, and personally, I, I think it's always going to be one of those games where I just get tired of it after a while. Yep. I, might, I might play it for just like the daily things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when they finally start adding functionality or another generation of Pokemon, then you know, I might jump back in again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what the game is being reduced to at this point. Like, um, I know I still play like, again, like I'm playing now because, uh, what we paid $15 for an event that 
isn't quite over for us yet because we got quests from the event that are carrying on for at least a month afterwards. And which sounds like, oh, hey, maybe these guys complain about something like they, they got an event where they've, they've still got something new to do every day for 30 days. Yeah, but it's kind of a lame thing to do for 30 days. It's literally like catch a Pokemon for 30 days straight. Like oh, it's, it's okay, worse than that though. I guess that's exciting. <laughs> it's um, worse than that, Joe, because yeah. they, they made it a quest where you have to catch a certain amount of Pokemon mm-hmm. that aren't even in the wild right now because of the events they've been running since then. Oh and, God, and there's only yeah. certain ways you can get them. And so this frustration that you mentioned is kind of a, mm-hmm. it's a permanent feature of Niantic and how they approach the game. And there are numerous cases of things they've done where a lot of us just kind of groan and go, like, are they not trying to make money off of this? You know, because mm-hmm. um, if you if you remember back in the first Pokemon Go Fest, uh, you know, during our, our World Peace discussion that we had, yeah. the first Pokemon Go Fest was a critical disaster. Oh, huge! You had you had um, people who didn't pay for the event were able to access event Pokemon. Um, uh, people like literally flew from all over the country. I think in some cases from different parts of the planet to play this game. And you have, again, like, again, like people who aren't even in like the set area where things are supposed to spawn or getting Pokemon, the game is crashing left and right where people are not even able to play the game. And they paid what, I think it was like, it was probably something like about 30 bucks to play the game or to like to be in the event. But then you have the people like, okay, well, like I also paid for a plane ticket to get here. I paid for a hotel to stay here. And I've got all this expense wrapped up into this and the game's not even working. It was awful. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they literally, they broke like the cell phone grid out there mm-hmm. <laughs> during the first Pokemon Go Fest. People couldn't even sign to the game. Uh, you know, John Hankey's up there on, you know, on stage trying, <laughs> trying not to get eaten alive by the crowd. Oh my gosh. That was definitely probably one of my favorite like YouTube videos I've seen like ever is John Hankey getting on that stage. And booed. not even getting a word out and getting booed. <laughs> it, it was like Monty Python levels of hilarity with mm. how much they were screaming at him, you know. And and uh, after a while, it was just you just I, I never felt bad for him because no, I mean you you knew how many people registered for this event, mm-hmm. right? Like you knew what kind of like technology you would probably have to leverage in order for this to work. Mm-hmm. And the Niantic servers in these events would persist as a problem for more than just that first year i mean it would there's still problems well we we did go fest this year and that we had servers were an issue quote unquote yeah go fest right like they Mm -hmm. they had this event for the you know the kanto uh you know pokemon and all that and i mean and and that was the specific issue you mentioned oh oh, no no actual go fest like do you remember last summer when we played go fest and like you couldn't do anything for the first hour of the event that's right yeah yeah i do remember that Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I definitely I used the entire vocabulary that day. <laughs> like you only hear like the polished and scripted, you know, Mark voice usually. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were you were playing Go Fest with Mark that day, you got you got off the cuff, Mark. Oh. And off the cuff, Mark. Um Yeah. yeah. You got you got language oh, you would only hear. You'd only hear it in an Italian deli in New York. Like this is, <laughs> I even probably put the the accent in there too because it was so frustrating. Because mm-hmm. you know everybody else around me seemed to be okay in the car we we're driving in, and for some reason, 
you know, like the, the, the servers at Niantic kind of pinpointed on my phone. They're like, yeah, let's just fuck this guy in particular. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's trying to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Who cares? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. need to play. Shit. Yeah. Don't, don't mm-hmm. worry about the copious amounts of, of paychecks they've poured into this game, which we, no. won't. we yep. won't be doing any real money math on that one. <laughs> yep. There'll be no account for inflation or any, any sort of a, any, any number game uh, today for that, for that reason. Well, th- there's one number I do want to point out, and mm-hmm. and this is a reason why I get pretty frustrated with Niantic, and it's because in 2020, they made over a billion dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, since Niantic became, you know, became a thing, like since Pokemon Go launched, they've made $4.2 billion off of us poor bastards. And so when you're talking about the monetization of this game, you know, there is no end game, right? No. So, mm-hmm. so how on earth are people spending money playing Pokemon Go, Joe? I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like just a few like subtle things that are still enjoyable. Like, there are some addicting things to this game that are still there. Like, uh, we we talk about like the shiny variants in the game, which I remember like playing like the the handheld games, and aside from like the original like uh, Pokemon uh, gold and silver, where you were guaranteed a red Gyarados and a certain part of the story. Like I didn't catch a shiny until gen four. Um, that was actually a random shiny. Um, so it took me four generations of Pokemon to actually catch one. That's how like rare and hard they were. And I at least caught it because I also remember like just the, the sadness that was the day that I remember uh, playing Heart Gold and Soul Silver with my friend, my friend Aaron Hen in college, my my Vanilla Bear as I called him. Um, <laughs> he was playing Soul Silver and he gets a, si- a shiny Geo Dude. He's like, "No way, a shiny Geo Dude! This is incredible!" And then he goes to throw, he throws a Pokeball at it. It breaks. The ball breaks. The Geo Dude gets out, and then he immediately uses the move Self Destruct. Oh, it no. faints itself. <laughs> and he was just devastated. <laughs> it was, it killed him. So yeah. at least like, I think of my poor friend, Aaron Hen, and I think of like modern day shiny hunting. And at least I will give Niantic the idea that like, I'm happy that I wouldn't have to go through four generations of Pokemon Go to catch a shiny Pokemon. Other than like, obviously shinies weren't in the game right away. It took a while for them to be introduced. But March, when they were introduced, yeah. the likelihood of catching one in Pokemon Go is higher than catching them in like the old games. Unless like, you know, you use the old methods of chain catching Pokemon um, with the Poke Radar. But in Pokemon Go, you just have a higher chance of getting them. So yeah. I think like when you think of um, things you enjoy in the game, like we both love going shiny hunting. We both love catching that variant because even though they are more frequent than the original games they are still relatively rare so to mm-hmm. be able to get one it's like you get this tiny nice little shot of dopamine <laughs> it's like your immediate like dopamine is like the immediate happy chemical so you get it and like oh yes this is fantastic this wants to keep me keep me going and i feel like that's kind of like almost what we're down to in the game is you get a new wave of shinies uh, they're in the game, they're introduced. So like the Pokemon has been in the game, but now it's available to be shiny. And like, ooh, the shiny variant's cool. We've got to hunt this thing. We've got to get it. And that's what kind of keeps us going. But 
I, I would like, say, Joe, at mm-hmm. this point, like the, the effect that I get on this is basically like someone who uses a lighter to burn themselves, right? Like that's that's <laughs> that's, kind of, that's where we are with regards mm-hmm. to shinies at this point, because the the absolute mindfuck and torture known mm-hmm. as shinies in Pokemon Go began in March of 2017, so almost you know almost four years from today, yeah. and are and. and they did start it off same spirit you know mm-hmm. the shiny red gyarados like the the magic harp was the first shiny in the game but when we've talked about raids and pvp and these other features that eventually got added later on shinies have really been one of those few things that have been consistent you know mm-hmm. since since then but they're one of the few things that niantic thinks is is like actual content yeah, because, because that's that's the only thing that really is offered in some of these events mm-hmm. where they feature a type of Pokemon or you know, a theme of Pokemon. And it's like, and if you're lucky, or if you're if you're a sad bastard that goes out until three a.m., <laughs> you might be lucky enough to encourage yeah. this new shiny or uh, mm-hmm. encounter this new shiny. Yep. And so that's that's unfortunately what it is. Because if you're not a big fan of PvP, which mm-hmm. you know there there are people who are dedicated to oh, yeah. it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and if you're interested in that, hey, go nuts. Like, f- feel free. Go ahead and do it. But if you're not playing PvP and you don't want to spend your paycheck on, you know, on the raid system, mm-hmm. really, that's about all there is for you at this point. Yeah, is, is getting shinies. And that makes you wonder, like, where do we go from here? Like, um, and even then looking at a lot of the major mechanics of the game, other than raiding, raiding is, of course, like, that's, that's a thing exclusive to Pokemon Go. But, like, Mega Evolutions shinies um pvp trading um i guess gym battles to an extent these are all based off of handheld concepts from the original games so when you look at like where the games are gone you have like the gala region is new and now they have like this thing with the pokemon grow really really big um mm-hmm. i yeah. haven't played um sword and shield so i don't know the proper term for it uh, and I also don't know if it's any fun from the from the friends that I have who have played the two games. They weren't big fans, so I have not. I've I've held off um, since then. Um, but like, where does it go from here? Does it just kind of like keep copying the the handheld games and the trends that they go with, um, or do they well, have to branch out and think of something new to do? In recent memory, Joe, mm-hmm. it's it's just more of this microtransaction bullshit that yeah. that EA has, you know, mm-hmm. just perfected throughout the years because if we look back at let's just let's just use the last year of Pokemon Go as our mm-hmm. as our example because when you ask where does Pokemon Go go from here mm-hmm. it's it's offering these 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 tickets to encounter a type of Pokemon mm-hmm. uh, and we can use like the Galar uh, Galarian you know Mr. Mime as an example mm-hmm. Like they put Mr. Mime behind a paywall. You had to yep. buy the ticket. If you didn't buy the ticket, you didn't encounter Mr. Mime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of stuff they're doing now. And, you know, if it were me, like if I was working at the company, I would say, give these poor people some kind of actual story. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. they, they tried to with this Team Rocket stuff where you can encounter, you know, Giovanni and and his, you know, his boy band every, every month. Mm-hmm. But and, and for those of you watching at home, Giovanni is the the leader of the you know the, the the Team Rocket folks that are well. I'm assuming also eating some Pokemon, but they're they're stealing Pokemon from people. They're you know they're turning them into they're shadow making them Pokemon, shadow Pokemon. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I've heard they just give them a lot of PBR. It, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's just I heard I thought it was that and Monster. 
um, energy Ooh. drinks. And every one of those shadow Pokemon is named mm-hmm. Kyle as well. Yep. Bunch of a lot of drywall. Mm-hmm. They wear a lot of uh, like tap out clothing <laughs> and backwards hats. <laughs> Jinko jeans. I don't know where they find them, but no, they've got them. They're still like, there was, those are still a thing. You can buy Jinko jeans. By the way, uh, Monster, PBR, Jinko jeans, tap out. Um, Not sponsors. None of which are sponsors. Yeah. None of yeah. them are sponsoring us. And after this episode, probably never will. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's okay, though. It's okay. That's okay. It's fine. Yeah, we're, it's okay. We're small enough. We're yeah, small we're okay. enough. We're, we're, we're we need that. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, but th- yeah. But yeah, microtransactions. Yeah. Awful. And that's and that's really all there is to offer, folks. And and so there are some people that I know who have played the game since day one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've only been playing since like day four, I think, because I, I wanted to pretend like I didn't want to play it. But then, you know, the addictive personality kicked in. Mm-hmm. But there are people that are doing the same things that you and I do too, where you know they hit the initial level cap, and then they just left the game because there mm-hmm. is no end game. Mm-hmm. And if you're not interested in the generation of Pokemon, like a lot of people that like this game, kind of fell within that uh, that millennial range. The I would say the millennials who remember the '80s and you know part of the early '90s, right? Because yeah. we we all pretty much grew up with this at its mm-hmm. earliest stages. And so you end up meeting a lot of people within that age range who, I mean, hey, nostalgia can only go so far, yep. right? Oh, so completely. There's a, lot of, yeah, there's a lot of folks finding the exits that mm-hmm. may come back. And and that's, I mean, ultimately, I think that's going to be what's happening to me. I mean, I'm kind of already at that point. Yeah. I mean, we look at like the level of play that we used to really put into this game and it's, it's gone down dramatically. Um like, of course, like the bigger events they do, like, like we said, we both did GoFest, we did the Kanto event. But even then, with how, I guess, how disappointing, at least, I mean, really, it was disappointing for you, both events. It was disappointing for me for one event. Um, but even then, like, I have to think, like, I don't think I'd pay another $15 to do another event for this game. Like, how with given how the last one was, and we were told, like, hey, uh, based off of the game you get, you have these increased odds of getting these shiny Pokemon, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we grinded the whole day, the whole event. And like, we both barely got anything. It, it felt more like a, a mm-hmm. job than a game at that point. It did. And, and that's where the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the camel's back be, began to break. I mean, if that's the best thing they can come up with, given given the circumstances we have with COVID, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really makes me wonder what they can even do as a company to win some of us back who are starting to, you know, see the cracks and, mm-hmm. and start to realize just how, how, how long ago 2016 was, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I, I don't even know what they could do to, to really beef this game up. I'm not sure if you've got anything that you would, you don't want to give them as a nugget. <laughs> I don't know. I guess like what you said, like a story mode would be cool in some way, like some sort of thing. That's not, not like a mindless quest. Like with like their idea of, of stories is just a quest. Like you have to, Oh, to meet Giovanni, you have to beat this many grunts and then beat this many um, uh, rocket leaders. And then he appears sort of thing. Well, it's, it was a good thing to start with, but now like you're just rinsing, repeating that for anything you deem a story is just kind of lame quest after lame quest where like, again, like you said, like they don't feel like challenges anymore. They feel like a job and not even a good job. Like this is a, like a terrible nine to five summer job that we all have to do. And we all hate because, you know, 
we got to start working somewhere. Um, and that's, that's kind of what it feels like when we do these things. And like you said, like uh, now, like we're still playing the game based off of these Kanto events. I've been trying to catch 30 dark Pokemon for almost 30 days now. And I haven't done it yeah, because like think, they, they've yeah. taken, they, they effectively, they've taken that entire type out of the game, except for was a very limited raid window. And even then it wasn't even like it was an easy raid. It was a mega raid. So you had to rely on friends to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to run into like random rocket uh, grunts because, and even then, like, I remember like driving around looking for rocket grunts, uh, which by the way, like, I know like driving and playing is frowned on by people, but like when you live in a more rural <laughs> area, like I'm not walking around all of my town to try and find these places. Cause that that's ridiculous. Everybody but anyway, <laughs> I, I'm going to these places and it's mostly like water or fire or flying or that one asshole with his super bug Pokemon that no one cares about. Um, and like, I couldn't get dark Pokemon. Like, this is ridiculous. Like they used to be like, they had common like Murkrows or Puccinas or things everywhere. And now they're just out of the game. And it makes me think like, was this done on purpose? We're like, okay, we're going to draw this out because we've effectively taken this whole type out of the game ha 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 that's what we call challenging or is it like these guys are idiots they didn't realize they've done this and now we've got these events stacked after each other we're like what this this stupid season of legends is taking place over like literally like 90 days Mm -hmm. and and now like we were missing this type for 90 days so that's your idea of extending the life of the game like yeah, no. it's 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 a pretty bad tactic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen other games do this too, where, um, it, especially like console games. You know, sometimes console games will give you some of these meaningless droned-on tasks that uh, don't necessarily do anything for the plot of the game. They're mm-hmm. they're just there so that if you want to mindlessly play for hours on end and not mm-hmm. question the experience, that's what this stuff's kind of there for. Yeah. And, stealth missions, we're looking at you. Oh, every yeah. single damn stealth mission ever made stealth missions uh yeah i you know and that's that's kind of the 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 issue at hand here is that Mm -hmm. you know niantic has made billions of dollars with this property and you would think at some point they would put that money to good use right fix some basic issues you know Mm -hmm. i don't just put code on top of code like actually think about this stuff and how it's going to affect people because you're obviously frustrated by this most recent event i know i was and I'm not saying we speak for everybody, but I'm sure there's at least more than two people who have felt that well, way. Probably. Um, getting close to wrapping things up here, just thinking like at least one thing I know that would probably make the game more enjoyable for me. And again, what's really frustrating about it is because it exists in other games that Niantic has is when you're going to raid like a, one, a tier one raid and it's just you and you don't need help put in a damn button that just says start the raid. (laughs) I don't need to wait two minutes to take down a friggin' Turtwig. Like, (laughs) nope, I can do this on my own. I'm doing this dumb raid quest you have for me today. And I would really like to just raid this one tier raid to get it over with. But no, I will sit here and contemplate my existence for the next few minutes as I wait to start this raid. So at least put mechanics that you have in other games that are successful into the game that is basically what put your company on the map sorry ingress no one cares this is the game that actually made niantic something well joe 
here's something that I I've done a few times, and I don't recommend that anyone who's played this game for any serious amount of time actually goes back and does. But the game does tell you how many standard raids you've done and how many oh, legendary no. raids you've done. Oh right? yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever wondered how long you've been standing around waiting for a lobby to begin, Joe just mentioned each lobby takes two minutes if you start it brand new, right? So I, I don't like to make a habit of doing this too often, Joe, because the amount of time I've spent standing around, let's just say for me to be conservative, we're, we're going to be talking that I've been standing around for probably an entire mm-hmm. month of my life, just waiting for, <laughs> for raids to start. <laughs> but but here, here's something I think will be a good thing to leave off on, because Obviously, this game introduced us to a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of folks that I actually talk to on a daily basis now that I never would have met had this game not come out. Mm-hmm. And and so for for Pokemon Go, for all of its faults and all the things that it's done wrong, one of the things that John Hankey did get right with his mission statement of you know bringing people together and and just increasing this social interaction, you know, at least at minimum, that has happened, right? Yeah, like we 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 do have the platform. You know, things like the Silk Road exist now that's mm-hmm. on, on Reddit where you can actually go and look up all these topics. You can go find help. You can, you know, you can ask people from all around the world for this type of uh, assistance. And so at, at minimum, you know, there's, there's, uh, there, there are some nice things that came out of this five-year journey with Pokemon Go. Obviously, there's a lot of issues that come along with it too. But I guess we'll see if we're still a part of it five years from now. Yeah, who knows? Um, I'm just waiting for them to put that Galarian corgi pokemon in the game so i can name him sullivan after my corgi and he will never stop being my buddy and then you can truly rest yeah that's when i know i can walk away Let's be frank. I'm not getting to level 50 unless you can just flat out purchase XP. I'm assuming by that point, I've probably lost interest anyway. Jill, I think we just gave Niantic more help with microtransactions. <sighs> but hey, we hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. And if you're still playing Pokemon Go, then join the conversation and tell us about it. Or on Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for at Digital Dissect One or Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Uh, please also leave us a review no matter where you found us as this helps us quite a bit to grow. Also, tell a friend while you're at it. This will all help us to keep this show afloat as we desperately try to balance the crushing weight of our other commitments. But next week, we're going back to the future, but not the one you're probably thinking. We're heading to the 31st century and talking about Futurama, the show with a ton of heart that really means to punch you square in the feels. And until next time, keep on dissecting. Dissecting.